All right, a new section in your Bible, Joshua. I love the I love those first five books of the Bible, but my goodness, it seemed like they were in there for a long time. So I am just as excited as everyone else to start these historic books, Joshua. And what's fun is that it just picks up exactly where we left off in Deuteronomy. Joshua comes down from the mountain where Moses has just been laid to rest. Uh, They buried him. We don't know where. We talked about that. And Satan has fought over the body of Moses. We saw that in in Jude. And now Joshua is going to pick up where Moses left off. Now, Uh, Before we even jump into the first few verses, before we even pray, I want you just to think about that. Joshua has been walking with Moses for decades. And now Moses is gone. And now he's going to pick this thing up. And he's got to lead the people of Israel. Now, remember, towards the end of Deuteronomy, he had been given a special blessing. He had been given a special commission. And God certified and sanctified and said that he was going to use him. But don't you think there's got to be some doubt in his mind? Like, is this really going to work? Am I really going to do it? Am I, am I like Moses? Now, we don't know his thoughts, right? He could have, have full confidence. We really don't know. But there's a lot of things that we're going to apply to our own lives as we look at the nation of Israel as they're about to cross over the Jordan. There's a lot of things that we're going to see in Joshua's life that are going to be pictures of Jesus. And then there's a lot of things that are going to happen in the nation of Israel historically that we're going to be looking at as well. So very exciting. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. And we're going to start in verses 1 through 3. Lord, we pray that when you have a new chapter for us, a fresh start for us, Lord, that we would follow you and that we would walk by faith as you've called us. We pray that we would be growing in you and that we would see what you have for us this evening in this portion of Scripture in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's read verses 1 through 3 together. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. As I said to Moses, and this is literally a quote from Deuteronomy. God has promised this, and so it will come to pass. But it is a future hope. But Joshua has seen the promised land, and he remembers the promised land from decades before. Remember when he had snuck in there. And so for 40 years, he has been waiting to go back. Now, there is some fresh application here for every single one of you. Now, I am under the understanding that some of us are older than me in this room. And maybe you have been waiting 40 years, and it may feel like I just started this 40 years ago, and now i got to start all over again. I'm in a new church. I'm in a new city. I'm in a new place. I'm supposed to be retiring. And the Lord says, nope. It's time for you to continue that word that I have been so faithful to lead you in doing. Because it's easy for us to think of Joshua as a young man, but he is not a young man. He is much later in age. He was already a man when he went into the promised land 40 years earlier, and now he's starting afresh. 
And so that in and of itself is fascinating. But let's talk about Joshua. Let's talk about the text. The word Joshua, there in Hebrew, that name is the same name that Jesus carries. Jesus is a different wording, a different language of that word Joshua, God with us, Emmanuel. And we're going to see that as Moses was a picture of the law, Joshua is a picture of the Lord. Only the Lord can bring us into the promised land. When the nation of Israel was in 40 years in the desert, what did they do? They murmured, they complained, they backbit. When they follow Joshua into the promised land, what do you see? They are conquering, they're winning, they're champions, they're victorious. Now, Joshua is not a better leader. He's a different picture. The law is a schoolmaster that brings us to Christ. The law shows us our sin. It shows us our imperfection. It shows us that apart from God, we can do nothing. We are unable to save ourselves. And we're going to see in the book of Joshua, we're going to see the captain of the Lord. We're going to see our Lord, the mighty conqueror, the angel of the Lord. We're going to see Joshua bow down to him. And we're going to see that we are victorious in him. Now, Joshua is a picture of the Lord, but he is not the Lord. And he is not going to represent him fully. But we see the illustration here from the text. And it is so fascinating. Now, I have a personal story with this section of Scripture. Because when I was in Calvary Chapel, Lompoc, we didn't teach from the New King James. We weren't as liberal as we are here in the Low Country. We used the King James Version. I'm not a King James only. I'm a King James mostly guy. But in the King James Version, it says Moses' minister, that Joshua was Moses' minister. And when I read that, the Lord just put that on my heart, that I was going to be a servant as an assistant pastor to my pastor, Pastor Mark. I was going to be ministering to him. And I read that, I go, oh, my gosh, that is so cool, ministering to him. And that's what I did. I just followed him around. I did what he did. I copied what he did. I shadowed what he did. I listened to the way he answered questions. I listened to the way he prayed with people. I listened to the way that he taught. I listened to the way he interacted. I just did whatever he needed to get done. I was editing uh, Bible, his Bible sermons for the radio podcast. I would clean the church. I would teach Bible studies if he asked me to. I would make sure that the church was open before everyone got there. And I just followed, you know, what did the best assistants, what did the best ministers do? You know, that book second that we have out there for free? I was like, I'm going to do that. And I just had some personal, uh, some personal principles. I was the first guy to open the church. I was the last guy to leave. Now, I didn't have kids at the time, so it was a little bit easier. Or Mark was a tiny baby, so Megan got to take care of that one. And, and that's what I did. But it was all because this text, this, the Holy Spirit just put it on my heart when it said Moses' minister, that the servant of Moses. I'm like, I can do that. I knew I had a calling on my life. I didn't know when that was going to happen but I was just going to serve him. And Joshua was the same way. Of all the people in Scripture, to me, personal opinion time, Joshua is the most prepared leader that we see in Scripture. For 40 years, he's been seeing the personal presence of God. He has been following faithfully. He's been taught by Moses. He's received the word. They've been following in the word. Nobody is as prepared as Joshua is. And how is he prepared? He just served Moses. He was just there. He just did what he was called to do year after year after year. 
Think of the decades of faithful service that Joshua has given. And now, in our minds, now his ministry begins. There is a a saying in the secular world, but I, I think it does apply to our perception of events in ministry, that it takes 20 years to be an overnight success. It takes 20 years to be an overnight success. Well, it took 40 years for Joshua, for him to now say, after the death of Moses, after he served him as a faithful assistant in the New King James, a minister in the Old, the Lord says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the children of Israel. A promise he has heard his whole life. And now he's going to put his sandal to the ground and they're going to start walking in this promise. Some of you here, you've had promises on your heart for decades, decades. Now's the time. Here we are. The Lord's doing the work. We have an exciting future. It has just begun. For some of us, it took decades to get here. Some of us, it was decades of prayer, decades of frustration, decades of service. But greater things are yet to come. I can say that because the promise that God is giving Joshua is the same promise he gave Moses, is the same promise he gave Jacob, is the same promise he gave Abraham when he was called out. God never changes and he never fails. Moses is in the dirt somewhere. We don't know where. But God remains faithful and his promise continues. See, the, the word of God is going to continue far after I'm in the dirt or in the clouds because I'm going for rapture. We all know this. The promise is going to continue to our children and our grandchildren at the Lord tarries. But we are going to continue to faithfully serve. We cannot fail. We will not lose. So we need to continue to be faithful. Well, with this promise, now he's got to get to work, right? Now it's time to get to work. Verses 4 through 9. From the wilderness and to this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the land which Moses, my servant, commanded you, and do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Oh, I forgot verse 9, sorry. For I have not, I have not commanded you. Have, let's try, we'll reverse that. We'll edit that part out. We'll pretend I can read. Verse 9, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. God says you're going to be victorious. What do you have to do? 
I want you to go to command school. I want you to go to general school. I want you to go to officer candidate training. I want you to learn military tactics. I want you to be a strong sword fighter. I, I want you to be a good politician. I want you to go to this academy. This No, no. I want the word of God written on your lips. I want it in your heart, and I want you not to be, I don't depart from the left or to the right. That is what you need. You need to trust me. I have given you the victory. I promised it to Moses. You saw me have give him victory, and Moses didn't go to school either for it. And I'm going to send you. But what is the thing that the Lord has to constantly, multiple times, encourage him with? He doesn't say, I'm going to make you very smart. Don't worry, you're going to be smart. He, he doesn't say, you're going to be well-trained. He doesn't say, I'm going to give you victory. Well, he, he says he's going to give him victory in battle, but he doesn't say, I'm going to make you a mighty general. His only encouragement, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Why does the Lord have to continue to, re, to encourage him that? What's the inference here? What, what can we... What can we look at this text and insinuate? What do we think that he's thinking if he has to be encouraged this way? I think it's safe to say that Joshua was afraid. Now, he's afraid, but he's a man of action. He said, let's go take the giants. We can take the giants 40 years earlier. He's not a man that is a coward. No, but he is worried. He said, the Lord tells him, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed having a sense of doubt, of doom, of anxiety. I'm not sure this is going to work. What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? The encouragement from God is this. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Keep the word of God. Have it always on your lips. Always be meditating on the word of God and be of good courage. I am with you. Now we know the New Testament tells us what can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. So what are we worried about? What are we scared about? But we too need to be encouraged. If Joshua, the man who carries the name of the Lord, who has walked with Moses for 40 years, was one of the spies that said, let's take the giants. And we're not talking spiritual giants here. We're talking gargantuan men. And these slaves that just came out of Egypt, he says, let's go take them. If God has to encourage him, don't we need to be a little encouraged? Don't, don't we need to be told, keep the word of God in your mouth, stay in the word of God, don't turn to the left or to the right? Because Jacob, Joshua, is a new leader in a new position. He's got big shoes to fill. And we, we are a new generation. We have new shoes to fill. Our ancestors, our mentors, the people that raised us up in the faith, they're gone. We are called to continue the path. And the Lord has not changed. The message has not changed. And we need to be strong and valiant and not be dismayed. We need to have the word of God written on our lips. We can't look back in the past and say, oh, they were great. They were amazing men and women for the faith. They really knew the word of God. <clears throat> we must know the word of God. We must have it written on the tablets of our heart. We must continue the mission because it's us that are going to take the gospel into the future. Nobody else. Me? I just fake it till I make it. I have no idea what I'm doing. I've never been a pastor of a church 
for more than eight years. Like this is the first time I've ever pastored a church for the ninth year. I've never done it before. I've never pastored a church this big before, not as a senior pastor. Never done it. I've never ran a business the size that I'm managing currently. I've never raised a family with kids that are the age they are now. I've never been married to a woman for 16 years before. If it's 17, I'm in trouble. I better check. (laughs) We're all looking. Is she in here? No, she's not in here. Why can't the microphone die then? (laughs) But none of us have done this before. You've never been where you are right now. But we all need the same encouragement. Have the word of God written on your heart and on your lips and meditate on it and grow in it. Be encouraged. Be strengthened. We are called to take ground for Christ. He will give us the victory. He is the captain of our salvation. And he will lead us to do incredible, crazy, victorious things. And you darn well better believe we're going to be scared while we do it. But do not be dismayed. Be brave. Great is our God. Verses 10 through 15. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you will cross over this Jordan to go in to possess the land with the Lord your God, which the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua spoke, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is giving you rest and is giving you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side of the Jordan, but you shall pass before your brethren armed, all your mighty men of valor, and help them, until the Lord has given your brethren rest as he gave you, and they have taken possession of the land which the Lord your God is giving them. So we got two, two important sections here. Number one, Joshua, he is speaking to the Lord. He's, re- he's re- received this encouragement. And he's going to now call up the officers, the leaders, the commanders. What does this mean? Does this mean the heads of the tribes, the heads of the family? Does this mean the strong men? Does this mean the soldiers? Are they... Regiment, all those things are true, all of them. And now they have a part to play. We all have a part to play. Now, I'm going to say some things that are biblically accurate but politically incorrect. So now I know people are listening. Number one, the oldest man in the family is the head of the household, and you are called to lead your family as such, and you need to stand up, and you need to start leading in your home. Because there's ground to take. And we need to be leading spiritually. We need to be leading our wives. And we need to be leading our, leading our children. We need to be doing so by example, following the scriptures and seeing what the word of God says. No one can make you do that. Only you can. And as we do that, we need men to stand up in the church. To be leaders in the church. To be examples in the church. Let it never be said in Calvary Low Country that our wives drag us to church. It is the other way around. We are the spiritual leaders of our home, and we are called to go to a spiritual battle. Now, let me be crystal clear. Joshua is not calling up these men and these tribes to go and have a spiritual war. 
They are sharpening their swords. They are looking at the other side, and they are going to battle where men will die. They will fight in hand-to-hand combat with people that are better trained, better armed, stronger, militarily stronger. As a civilization, as a culture, the people they are going to attack will sacrifice their own children to win the battle. Don't think they're not committed. And God is bringing his righteous judgment on the people of this region and giving that land to the people of Israel. This is not a slaughter of a people group. God's genocide against an ungalty, un, uh, against a, a nice, innocent people, and the children of Israel are invaders and usurpers. The people that they are going to attack right now, again, are pickling children and putting them in the walls of their houses for good luck, and there is ar- architectural, architectural, what are they, designing their houses? <laughs> There's um, archaeological evidence, thank you, archaeological evidence to support these statements. This isn't just made up to defend the faith and God's righteous judgment. These are the people that Joshua is looking at the guys like, we might not make it, but God is on our side. And we're going to go over there and we're going to take their houses. This isn't like we're going to bomb them 2,000 miles away and hit some buttons and they're going to disappear. They're going to go into their towns into their houses, they're going to forcibly remove these people and they're going to destroy them. The problem that Israel has is they do not obey this command. They do not go all the way and they do not finish the job. To the point that David is still removing the Jebusites from Israel, from Jerusalem in his time because they, they're not willing to go all the way. Well, guys, you're not off the hook. Are you willing to go all the way spiritually? We're not talking about murdering people. We're talking about crucifying our flesh and dying to ourselves. We're talking about opening up a Bible and leading a Bible study in your home. We're talking about speaking to your wife about biblical things. We're talking about knowing scriptures and having them written on our hearts. We're talking about sharing the gospel to the world, standing fast with our ballot, with our words, with our workmanship, with the way that we go about in the world, and being an example as Christ was an example and our forefathers were an example. Or we can continue to compromise. We can continue to just go halfway, half measures, speak fruitful things with our lips, go to men's conferences and talk about manly things. But you won't read the Bible with your wife. You won't lead a family Bible study. You're cowards. Now, who else went halfway? That's the second part of this section. Joshua has to go out of his way to go to the tribes that decided to stay on the other side of the Jordan. They're not supposed to be on the other side of the Jordan. They compromised. Now they have houses. Now they have farms. Now they got a ranching community going on. They're they're settled. They got what they want. And Joshua has to go back and be like, no, 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 no. You are going to fight with the rest of us just like you promised. It is very difficult to live a victorious Christian life, which we just talked about on Sunday, and have half of your heart here on this planet, on this world, with the things you've built, with your ranch, with your home, with your hearth, with your fireplace, with your investments, with your business, with your sports team. And you, and you want to compromise. And then the Lord calls you to battle, but you're like, but it's comfortable in the living room. 
And you have to be reminded, you have to be cajoled, you have to go out of your way to say, hey, remember your compromise before God? Remember your compromise? Yeah, come on, time to go. What about the other tribes? They're looking at their families, they're looking at their wives, they're looking at their kids like, if if we don't win, we don't live. We don't have a place to go. They've sold it all. There's nothing. There is no going back to the other side of the Jordan because they have nothing on the other side of the Jordan. It is faith or failure. It is victory or it is famine. They have to. They have put themselves in a position where without God, they will fail. I will tell you, it is the most terrifying thing on the planet to put yourself in those positions, and it is so liberating. I've said it. I'll share it. I've never felt so free as I did and panicked and feared and nervousness. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing magical about it as when I had all of my possessions and my two kids and my 2004 Honda Pilot driving across this country, not knowing what's on the other side. No burdens, no bills. Just, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no idea where we're going. But wherever you take us, Lord, like Naomi said in Ruth, you're, you're God. Your God is my God. Your people are my people. Whatever you want, Lord. And it is so much easier to do that than to compromise with the world. Second, I'm a prideful individual. I just don't want to be called out for half measures and saying like, okay, now it's time to get up. Don't call me a coward in church. We'll see what happens. Now, we, we have to remember, though, that even though we have this encouragement, this fresh walk, this new leadership, we can do nothing apart from God. They're going to have victory because God said so. That's the only reason. There is nothing politically, historically, militarily, financially, economically, no earthly reason why they should be successful. And they will be. In spite of themselves, they will be successful because of God. Unfortunately, today we have too many men that don't even know they're in a battle. They don't even know they are leaders. They don't even know that people are relying on them. They don't even know there's a calling. And Satan just has them in their home with their TV remote, just having their brain sucked out by a screen, hoping that they have enough entertainment until they die. Not me. Not me, and I pray that's not the case for any one of us. We cannot love this world and love the Lord. We can't be double-minded. We need to give it all to him. Otherwise, you will not be victorious. How do you do that? How do you do that? He just told you, hey, just in the previous verses, have the word of God written on your lips. Love the word of God. Love the Lord more than you love the things of this world. Watch what happens to you when you do that. It is miraculous. Let's read now verses 16 to 18. I did not finish verse 15. What am I doing here? I'm so excited here. 10 through 15, 16 through 18. 
Let's read the last part of verse 15. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and enjoy it, which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side of the Jordan toward the sunrise. So they answered Joshua, saying, All that you command us we will do, and wherever you send us we will go. Just as we heeded Moses in all things, so we will heed you. Only the Lord your God be with you, as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your command and does not heed your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and of good courage. I I will tell you, as a pastor, I have heard so many oaths, so many recommitments, so many promises to God. And you just watch them fall. Like, and if I've been pessimistic towards you or like kind of guarded, like, oh, okay, we'll see. We'll see. Oh, yeah, praise the Lord. Yeah, we'll see. And you're like, be a little more excited. Well, number one, that's not my demeanor. But number two, I've heard this so many times, and like two weeks later, it's like, oh, where's so-and-so? Where did they go? Oh, yeah, I don't know. These guys, do you, I don't think we understand the context of what they're saying when they say, hey, yes, we're keeping this command. Whatever you say, we will do. We will do. This isn't an intellectual exercise. We're not talking about running the sound booth. We're not talking about making coffee in the morning. These guys are committed. They're fathers, their uncles, their brothers, their children's to war. They are not all coming back. They are, there is going to be death. They are going to fight. And they're saying anyone who runs from battle, they're going to be put to death. They're they talking about their lives, not spiritual exercise here. We're not talking about reading the Bible to our wives here. We're talking about sharpening our swords and going fighting people that we are going to lose to if we don't have divine intervention. And they say, we are going to do it. And they have to remind themselves, be st- all right, be brave, be strong and of good courage. Their boots are shaken. Their swords are shaken. But they're going to do it. They're going out there. Now, we're going to go chapter after chapter. And we're going to see battle after battle, fight after fight, war after war. And it's going to take a while. And they've got to walk with God every single time. And when they trust God, they will win. When they don't, they start getting a little, oh, yeah, we're starting to win on our own. Guess what happens to them? But, but what is the consequence? Well, you know, I feel distant from the Lord. You know, I, 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 feel, I just don't feel as close to the Lord anymore. The consequence is that their brother next to them dies. The, the, the consequence of sin and falling short with the nation of Israel, this is not a spiritual battle they're talking about. They're talking about your best friend, the father of your friend's kids. He's gone. He died. So now we've got to take care of that family somehow. And now you're going to live the rest of your life knowing that your personal sin and your failure has an effect on everyone else. So we need to have that cold shower to realize on a spiritual level When you are not leading your family well, it has an effect on every one of us here. First of all, the fellowship is missing out on the gifts that God has given you. The fellowship is missing out on your counsel and on your encouragement. And when somebody does have a life crisis, they're missing out on you being strong enough to be able to handle that situation and to encourage a brother or sister. I dare say, you know, since we're going to be a little spicy this Wednesday, when persecution comes, who's going to stand up? When I get arrested for just doing what we do now, just preaching the truth, even though it's not culturally active anymore. Mike, that's just crazy. You're putting a tinfoil hat on. They're, they were arresting people for keeping the churches open during COVID. What do you think is going to happen next? 
They call it hate speech in Canada to say that homosexuality is a sin, but homosexuality is a sin. And so these rules, they, they, they're going to come and they're going to go. Are, are you spiritually prepared? Are you leading your family? Are you growing up? Now, ladies are like, whoo, he's going after the boys today. You, ladies, you're raising young men. Are you raising young men? Are you raising your boys to lead? Or are you raising big babies? Pampering big babies. Oh, take it easy on him. Oh, he's so young. He's so cute. Look at him. He's 17. <laughs> if he's, I've always said, if he's old enough to storm the beaches of Normandy, he's old enough to clean his bed and get a job. So, ladies, you don't get off easy either. Are you encouraging them in the word of God? Are you raising them up? Are you teaching your young ladies to look for a husband? Or are you looking for them to have a big baby? We all have a part to play in this. And all of us are united in Christ. And all of us are spiritually being called up. We have a new, fresh mission. We have a new calling. And it doesn't matter if it took you four decades to get to this day or four days. It doesn't matter if you're 12 in this room or if you're 90. We all have a calling from God. And we all have to play our part. And we need to encourage each other. Every one of us gets a day of encouragement. Be strong. Be of encourage. I know. I know it's tough. I know, I know it's strong. I know it, it, we're weak. I, I know that the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. I, I know that apart from Christ, I can't do anything. I know that in me dwells no good thing. But I have a great God. And you have a great God. And we need to be encouraged. And we need to know that better things are yet to come. Victories are on the horizon for Christ. Not because we can do it, but because God is going to do it. Now, what amazes me, and we're going to close with this. These are the same murmuring, complaining, rebellious, Moses-hating, wanting to go back into Egypt, talking about watermelons and leeks. Why don't you take us back to Pharaoh because he treated us better people? There's no mention of any of that, is there? These people, because they follow Joshua, are going to be conquerors, even though they are cowards. Why? Because God does it. We are Jesus followers. We are Christians. Our captain is not Moses. It's not Joshua. It is Jesus Christ himself, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Do we realize that the man that we follow, that we worship, that we're to be like, will return to this planet as a conqueror, and he will destroy his enemies in the valley of Megiddo. Anyone who curses his name, he will cut them down. He is a victorious conqueror. And he will set all things straight, and he will rule and reign on this planet for a thousand years with an iron rod. That's who we follow. We cannot lose. Let's spend the rest of this evening just praying and seeking after him and being encouraged and encouraging one another and pray that we're used by him for his kingdom. Lord, just a, a few verses, Lord, this, this evening, and yet I know you've encouraged me in these scriptures countless times, and I pray that others are encouraged this evening. I, I pray that we're convicted. I don't want us to feel condemned, Lord. We know that comes from the enemy. But the conviction should be to draw closer to you, to put away the things of this world, to follow after you, to be used by you. We know that the spiritual warfare is thicker than usual, the heat of the spiritual battle, Lord. We know that that typically tends to great victories. 
And we just want to walk in them. And we do once again, Lord, we know that we can do nothing without you. And so we pray that you would have your way in us. We pray that you would go forward, that we would follow you. We pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us. And I just thank you, Lord, that you still continue to use us, even though we are the weak ones, the failures, the fallbacks, the backslidden, Lord. And yet we're more than conquerors in you. Praise you. Thank you. And we pray for more. Please lead us in prayer this evening in Jesus' name.